Thanks for listening to this teaching from City of Life Church. Check out www.col.tv for more great teachings, service times, and information on upcoming events. Now, let's join the service already in progress. Well, this message that I'm in right now is something that, honestly, guys, is down in my soul. Uh, I'm, I'm feeling this in my heart. I'm believing that this is the kind of word and the kind of message that if you get a hold of this, it can turn your world right side up. I think that we're living, a lot of people are living their life upside down. They're missing the point. They're missing the point of why Jesus came, of who Jesus is. I believe this message called When Kingdoms Collide. Not if kingdoms collide, but when kingdoms collide. It's very important to understand that we live in a world right now with a broken kingdom that is ruling. A broken kingdom is what we see most of the time. When we see people that are successful, when we see people that we think are winning, when we see people that seem happy, that are at the top of their fields, that everybody follows them, when we see the system that seems like it is excelling in every conceivable way, they're living their life upside down to the real kingdom that God has called us and purposed us to live in. Matthew 6 tells us, don't worry about what to eat, what to drink, what to wear, how you're going to pay your bills, uh, how you're going to get the promotion. Don't worry and stress out about all these things. Can I just tell you that when we're reading the Bible, we should let it convict us. Instead of going, yeah, she does that, she does that, you should go, I do that, I did what will we eat today, I couldn't decide if it was gonna be Uber or make a sandwich, Uber Eats. Uh, number two, what will we drink, struggle with that all the time, what will we wear, struggle with that this morning, uh, and then go, we should go down the list and say, God, I do those things. Because we can easily slip into that realm where everything is about how am I gonna get my idea here? How am I gonna get the promotion? How am I gonna get this job? How am I gonna get this car? How am I gonna get her to fall in love with me? And we're worried about all these things. And Jesus says, pagans do that. People that are not even a part of God's kingdom, they do that. But you, seek first. Somebody say first. first. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. I, I, I mean, it's, it's like sometimes when we hear it, it just doesn't make sense. We're like, what does that even mean? Well, if you don't get it, it's hard to make somebody get it. But what it's saying is that when you start seeking God's way, his domain that is all around us, even though we can't see it, when you start seeking his will, his purpose, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, forget about all the other stuff. Why? Because all of it will be added unto you. All of it will be given to you. He says, I'll take care of what you wear. I'll take care of your food. I'll take care of your drink. I'll take care of how you're going to pay the bill. You don't have to worry about any of that stuff. You worry about living for me. Touch five people on the shoulder and say, start worrying about how to live for God. That's all you got to worry about. 
Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all of these things will be added unto you. Somebody say that with me. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things. What are, what are things? Just the stuff, right? Just the stuff. And we get so worried about stuff. Who gets worried about stuff? Am I the only person here that gets worried about stuff? We, wor we spend our time worrying about the stuff. God said, forget about the stuff. Start seeking me. Say primera. Somebody say first. It's got to be. I think I wrote a book on that. Jesus primero, Jesus siempre. First, first, before anything, start seeking him. You say, well, what does that look like? And I mean, I'm kind of getting ahead of myself here, but that's okay because I'm feeling it. What, is it. what does it mean? It means what I'm doing right now is this giving God glory. Is it benefiting his kingdom? Am I spreading the kingdom of God? through my actions, through my behaviors, through my outfit, through my language, through my friendships, through the people I'm connecting with? Am I building and expanding his kingdom? Or am I standing for something right now? Am I standing for something right now that is opposed to the very values that I was born to promote? You say, well, I want to take the kingdom of God into the club. <laughs> What, what, what do you mean by that? What do you mean by that? Because let me tell you something real quick. I went through a period in my life when I was wanting to preach the kingdom. I wanted to preach Jesus to lost people. I so desperately wanted it that I wanted to go into bars and preach to people in bars. So you know what I did? Me and my friend Russ, who was Amy's Bible teacher in the Philippines. He's, he's just as crazy as I am. We used to drive down the street and go to a, find a bar, and we walk in a bar, and we say, hey, can I talk to you for a second? And everybody just look at me real quick. I want to tell you something. And the manager would be like, who is this? I would be like, hey, I just want to tell you guys, Jesus loves you. He cares for you. You might be here trying to drink your sorrows away, drink your pain away, but what you're doing right now, it may be temporary. You may have a good night tonight, but you go wake up in the morning needing more of that stuff that you just paid for. But Jesus, and I'm just telling you, we started preaching to people in bar. Some of those people came to church. They gave their heart to Jesus, changed their life. There's a big difference in taking the kingdom to the world and then making a spot in the middle of the world and starting to act like the world. See, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. When I'm seeking his kingdom first, I'm wanting to promote his kingdom and take his kingdom with me, not look like more like the world than I look like the kingdom. Look at somebody next to you say, that dude is telling the truth on this Sunday morning. So the kingdom is upside down. It's completely opposite of everything that we think we know. As a matter of fact, in some ways it's invisible. The Pharisees were asking Jesus, when is this kingdom coming? See, even the devil was surprised by the kind of kingdom that Jesus brought. We get confused about what the kingdom looks like. The Pharisees said, what does the kingdom look like? What are gonna be the signs that the kingdom is here? These are like religious leaders. 
Tell us what it's gonna look like. Give us some hints. And Jesus gave the kind of answer that he always gave everyone. So frustrating when we're dealing with Jesus because sometimes he doesn't give us the answers we'd like. He's actually like, it's, it's, like, it's like me going, by the way, you, you, this section, you're looking for the kingdom. You came here looking for the kingdom today. It's in you right now. It's already here. And you're like, really? Yeah, it's already here. I've already given it to you. It's about me. It's about who I am. God has already given us his kingdom and he's given us the keys to the kingdom in his word that we can live this kingdom life whenever we choose to step into it. But many of us don't wanna take those principles and apply them to our lives. So we're stuck and we're frustrated. And we keep asking God for stuff that he's already given us. Do you know how frustrated I would be? I mean, here's my beautiful daughters that are sitting right here. I got Mia and Zoe on the front row. But Mia, I gave, well, we gave Mia a car when she was 16. Why? My dad gave me a car when I was 16. Said, if you serve God, you love God, you're always going to have some wheels. You're always going to have something to drive. You go to work, you work for God. You do, and I want to bless my kids in the same way my parents blessed me. So I gave her a car. Can you imagine if Mia came to me every morning and said, Dad, give me a car? And I already gave her a car. How frustrating would that be if she was asking me to give her a car? When I already gave her a car, what would my answer be? My answer would be, no, I'm not giving you a car. Why? How come, church? How come, church? That's what we do with God. We ask him for answers. And what is he doing? He's up there going, really? I already gave you this answer. The kingdom is here. Nothing else, no one else is coming. There's no more revelation coming. That's why if you don't get it here today, you'll walk out frustrated. The kingdom of God is not an event that they're gonna put on television someday. When a bunch of heavenly armies come walking down the street, you say, yeah, now it's here. No, yeah, now it's here today. It's here in this room for anybody believe, that believes it. If you believe that God's kingdom is something that is already here, it's the one that Jesus was talking about, it will change your life. It will change the way you interact with people. It'll change the way you pray. It'll change the way you give. It'll change the friendships that you have. It'll change your attitude about when you get out of bed and you've been assigned a task at work that you don't think seems important in the natural. You live your life with excellence. Why? Because everything you are doing is promoting and expanding his kingdom. See, the king, and here's the, here's the reason that kingdoms are colliding. Because we live in a culture, Western culture believes in democracy. We are a democracy. What is a democracy? In a, in a democracy, everybody gets a what? A vote. In a kingdom, only one person gets a vote. Who is it? The king is the only one that gets the vote. What he says goes. See, but our society, here's why kingdoms are colliding. Because people are trying to mix the kingdom of the world with the kingdom of God. Let's all vote on what we want kingdom principles to look like. That's how you get denominations. 
That's how you get a bunch of man-made rules, is when people start voting together on what they think things should look like. That's not what kingdom, that's what the Christian life looks like, but that's not what kingdom life looks like. Are you telling me not to be a Christian? I'm telling you, Jesus never used that word. I'm telling you, we better live by the Bible. We gotta follow what the Bible says. But when you start getting into what Christians do as a whole, as opposed to what Jesus talked about, there's some big differences. Now, so I, I, I am a Christian, I call myself a Christian. I don't think there's anything, I mean, a lot of people are even afraid to use, afraid to use that word. They're like, my name is Jeffrey Smith, I'm a Christ follower. They don't even wanna use the word Christian because I'm not afraid of it. But what I'm saying is that we spend so much time trying to be Christians that we forget that we're citizens. Come on, is anyone alive here today? I don't know, did you guys get out of bed later? Are you, are you still on the other time? The time changed two weeks ago, come on. Get with it here today. Let me pray a prayer, I'll get right into the rest of this message. Uh, Father, we thank you for your presence. Thank you for what's happening here today. Transform, transform our thinking. Transform our thinking. Transform our perception of who you are, what you have called us to do because these kingdoms are colliding. We wanna be on the right side of heaven when it happens, God. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. The kingdom is here in, how about a huge hand for my Uncle Michael? My, my Uncle Michael is amazing. By the way, if you see Southern Gospel, if you see Southern Gospel, there's a great scene. You should all go see it literally like today. Uh, if, you, if you go you see Southern Gospel, there's a great scene in Southern Gospel where Julie is sitting there in um, the, the state convention and she leans over and, and she sees Samuel, which is my dad, you know, from my mom and my dad. She sees Samuel on stage and she leans over to her brother, Ray. That's Michael Ray right there, by the way. We kind of snuck that in the movie. Uh, and she leans over, she says, I'm gonna marry him someday, uh, about Samuel. And then Ray says, I thought you were gonna marry Jody Barnes. And she says, well, either him or Samuel. So, but that's, that's actually my, my uncle that's in the movie there. So, so Uncle Michael's got a little role in the movie. So let's give it up for Uncle Michael. See, I knew you had that star swagger, Uncle Michael. But the kingdom is in your midst. I want you to know that today. That doesn't have to discourage you. Because if you go, oh, really? That's all there is? Oh, there's so much more than that. What that means is that everything you need is here today. You have just not accessed it yet. See, if I found out from someone that I had a relative that left me $10 million in an account. But I never knew about the account. My account is valid. My name is on the account. But unless I know how to access it, I'm just living my life without the funds. I'm living my life without the means and the resources to do the things that I want to do until I find out I have access to that account. Look at somebody next to you say, I have access to that account. Come on, type it in the chat. Say, I have access to a heavenly account. This is not about name it and claim it wealth. That's, that's a trash message. 
I'm sorry for using such common language, but it really is. People that say that the kingdom is all about just having everybody having money and everybody having wealth and having everything you want, that has nothing to do with it. What he says is he says, don't worry about those things. I'll take care of those things. So that means whatever you need, whatever God has called you to, there's enough in the kingdom. That's why jealousy is stupid. Jealousy views your limited view of God's goodness. Jealousy shows that when you get jealous because somebody else has been blessed and you can't celebrate and be happy for them, what you believe deep down in your heart is that God is not big enough to bless them and to bless you too. But my Bible says that he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. A kingdom mentality realizes everything I need is in the kingdom. It's found in the kingdom. Healing is found in the kingdom. Deliverance is found in the kingdom. Freedom is found in the kingdom. Hope is found in the kingdom. Restoration is found in the kingdom. Marriages being put back together can be found in the kingdom, but we have to get a kingdom mentality. We have to view the world in the lens of God's government, of God's rulership, of God's ways. We're too stuck in, where's my vote? You don't get one. That is tough to swallow in the Western world. You really don't. But what God's saying is, can I just tell you something? Your way is broken anyways. Your vote is always bent toward what you want, what you think is the best, what your opinion. That's why the world's like, be yourself, follow your heart. You know, this is the worst advice in the world. The Bible says the heart is wicked above all things. You follow your heart, it'll lead you to hell. Right? We have to get a heart for the kingdom and let God show us his heart. Seek his kingdom. His righteousness. And then he says, if you follow after me, then your heart will begin to align with my heart. Then you'll start asking for the right things. Then you won't have to worry about the things because I'm going to take care of them anyways. We got a kingdom that is broken, y'all. And before I read this next scripture, I want to tell you that the kingdom of the world is about to fall apart. It's crumbling before our very eyes. When you get to the point in culture where people can't even identify the basics of life, male, female, what marriage is, when you start getting to the point in life where people are arguing over the basic rules of agreement of what a culture is, you can't even communicate in normal language about what basic things are, you're reaching the collapse of that culture. We are there right now. So when I say when kingdoms collide, what I'm telling you is it's happening, and you have to make sure that you are a part of God's kingdom culture when this happens, because the world, God has put us in the world to have dominion over it. It's one of the first things that he did with Adam and Eve when he said, let us make man in our image. This is the Trinity talking, God talking to the members of the Trinity. Let us make man in, in our image. And let us give him dominion over the birds, the creatures, everything that moves on earth. Let us give him dominion. That is the same root word, the Hebrew equivalent 
of the word that is used here for kingdom, basilia, it's the same root word in Hebrew of kingdom. So basically, the original purpose of man was to rule and be a part of God's kingdom on earth so that we could go out and establish and take ground and represent him. He didn't come to earth to live here himself. He made it our home so we could establish heaven on earth. That's why the Bible says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done where? On earth as it is where? In heaven, bring heaven to earth. Let the kingdom that is already in heaven come to earth. That is my purpose. It's what I was born for. Sin separated me and broke me off from the kingdom that God intended for me to have dominion in. And Jesus looked at human history and said, they can't do it. That's why the Bible says, as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So by the obedience of one shall many be saved. That's why the Bible calls Adam the first Adam and Jesus the second Adam. And Adam was the first man. Jesus was the last man. When God sees Jesus, he sees the way to restore us back to our original purpose, which is to be kingdom ambassadors with authority, with dominion. Why do you think you don't like anybody telling you what to do? Somebody better say amen. Say, yeah, that's right, Pastor. <laughs> you tell him like it is. Nobody likes to be told what to do. Why? Because you were born for dominion. God put dominion in you. Now, listen, God gives delegated authority. He puts authority over our life, but we all struggle because in us is that desire to rule. That's why we want to conquer we want our will to be established. That's why we have to make sure that our will is aligned with God's kingdom, with God's righteousness, so that when we rule, we are ruling for his glory and not ours. If you're not careful, everything you try to rule in benefits you in the end. And a truly powerful person always leverages their power for the benefit of others. That's why we know Jesus is the kind of king that we can trust because he took his power and he gave it to us and allowed us to rule with it. So I, I want to uh, I want to share this story in, in, in the book of Daniel chapter five. I think it kind of illustrates, you know, Nebuchadnezzar and this Babylonian culture that was ruling at the time. They were evil. They had taken Israel, eaten up their wealth taken their religion, stripped them of their religion, made fun of the things of God, and were just blaspheming the things of God in every possible way. And King Belshazzar was Nebuchadnezzar's son, and it says King Belshazzar gave a great banquet for a thousand of his nobles and drank wine with them. So they're just celebrating their glory, the culture that we live in. Everyone is so famous and everybody has so much money and they've got so many followers on social media and their life looks so wonderful. They're smiling in front of cameras every night in a new place, doing something amazing. Or our friends at school, you know, if you go to a, a, a public school or a private school, there's the popular kids at school and they just think they've got everything figured out and everybody wants to be exactly like them. And that represents what 
this is talking about. It says, while Belshazzar was drinking his wine, he gave orders to bring in the gold and silver goblets that Nebuchadnezzar, his father, had taken from the temple in Jerusalem. Stolen kingdom ideas. Stolen God's wealth. Stolen things that belonged to the rightful king. He took it from them. And it says so that his king and his nobles, his wives and concubines. Man, this joker crazy. I'm trying to learn how to please one wife. This guy's got multiple wives. He must be. Stupido. He got wives and concubines. So he's throwing this party, just throwing it in the face of God. Can I just tell you something? That's exactly what the world is doing right now. All the doctrine they are spewing at culture about what is right, what should be accepted. They are laughing in the face of God. They're redefining the very principles and tenets of the biblical narrative taking things out, changing them. When the Bible talks about it at the beginning, it says he created them in his image, male and female he created. They're trying to strip the very essence of the purpose of humanity and make it look like that if you even repeat that or say that, that you are the one that's hateful, but they don't realize like this, they are hateful toward God and God is sick of it. He's not going to allow it to continue forever. And that's what happens here. He's throwing his party. He's using, you know, stuff from the church, uh, drinking in goblets and in drinking and, and using silverware that was set apart to be holy for the things of God, making a mockery of the things of God. That's exactly what the world is doing. It says, as they drank the wine, they praised this is crazy. The gods of gold and silver and of bronze, iron, wood, and stone. Can I just use a quick example really quick? When we look at the world that we live in, money is a god. It's an idol that people get down on their knees and they worship it. Accomplishment is a god. I mean, people, I, I mean, I, I know someone and have a friend that recently passed a million subscribers on YouTube and he was putting his, you know, this, this plaque, this trophy up on his thing. That, uh, and that's great. I mean, I might would do that too, you know, just, just say, hey, look at, look at this. But it's just funny that the way that we crave these trinkets. I grew up a, a musician, wanted to direct movies. I used to watch the Grammys when I was a kid every year. I just, I couldn't wait to see Prince or Michael Jackson or Bruce Springsteen, Brian Adams, just someone go up that I knew, play a song. It was so cool. I was like, wow, I wonder what they're going to say. I just thought it was this amazing thing. The Oscars used to watch it every single year thinking maybe one day I'll go up there and could, could make a difference in the world and win and get my opportunity to tell the world. But the more and more I've gotten older and I see that these little trinkets, we look for these accomplishments and we turn them into God's. And our culture celebrates these things, and they have these big parties exactly like this, where they're literally spitting in the face of God, making a mockery. And here, I want to tell you what's going to happen. This is, it's not just going to happen. It's happening right now. It says, as they drank their wine, suddenly the fingers of a human hand appeared. 
First of all, I'm going to tell you, if I'm up in that room, I'm out instantly. I'm, I, don't know what they, I don't know what their culture is like, or yours for that matter. But I know in mine, the redneck culture from Alabama, you run when you see a human hand appear up in a room. You just get out. You just call someone and say, what happened back there? You know, tell me, explain the story to me. I would be out. But it says, suddenly the fingers of a human hand appeared and wrote on the plaster of the wall. Look at someone next to you and say, what? <laughs> Near the lampstand in the royal palace. Now, Mr. Cool, King Belshazzar, who's got all his wives and concubines, and they living it up, partying, drinking out of the, you know, things that are from the temple, making fun of God. Listen to what it says now. It says, the king watched the hand as it wrote, and his face turned pale. And he was so frightened that his legs became weak and his knees were knocking. God sent the hand that wrote on the wall. And this is what is written. Man, Tekel, and Peres. And it says this is what the words mean. Mene means this. This is right out of the message version. And listen, this is what God is saying to culture. These three things, mene, tekel, and peres. Mene. This is what the hand wrote on the wall for these people that are making fun of God. The fallen culture, this is what God has to say to the culture of the world. And if you've subscribed to it, if you've been a part of it, if you've rejected the culture of heaven, which is the kingdom culture, if you haven't lived your life for the kingdom culture, defect from the wrong one and enter the right one today. You can only do that through Jesus. The Bible says you can't even enter into the kingdom of heaven or have access to it unless you're born again. So the only way is to be regenerated in your heart. And if you're in this culture over here, this is what God has to say to you. Here it is. Mene. God has numbered the days of your rule. And they don't add up. Your days are numbered. You may be having fun right now. You may be taking a lot of selfies and smiling in clubs and it looks like your life is perfect, but I got news for you. It don't add up because what you're portraying to the people and your attitude, the way you laugh and you think every, you got everything together. When you lay down at night, you know in your heart there's something wrong. You know that it's just a big show. You know you don't have answers when you run into a problem that you can't fix. It don't add. Look at someone next to you say it don't add up. So God is saying to this culture, I've looked at you. I've looked at what you've got going on. Your days are numbered. And what's scary about that is you can live a long time. And, and fool everybody, even fool yourself, that you figured out the answer to success. I know people, and I'm friends with people, grew up with people that are unbelievably successful by everything that you can see on the outside. I see them partying on yachts. People I know that are on their fourth and fifth marriage I went to high school with, multimillionaires, every toy you can come up with, they look like they got the world by the tail but have rejected God in every possible way. 
I hate to say this to people that I knew growing up, but your time is limited. When you push the kingdom out of your life, God is pointing, pointing with his finger. Your time is limited. To Kel is the second thing he wrote. You have been weighed on the scales. This to everyone who acts like they got it all together. This is what God has to say to you. This is what God has to say about your fancy car. This is what God has to say about how many people follow you or how popular you are or how everyone thinks you're the best. This is what God has to say about you and your accomplishments. Yeah, I weighed you. You don't weigh very much. You act like you're Mike Tyson, but you're a lightweight. You're in the featherweight division. You're a pretender is what you are. You appear you're one thing, but you have no substance. And, and here, here, this is really important when we're talking about weighing and weight. Because weight in this sense is representing the monetary value, the worth. When we say worship, that is the word that means worth-ship. That's why when we worship, it's not singing. It's how much worth we are showing that we have in God. How much worth he has to us. We demonstrate it by our worship. It's worth-ship. I mean, when you just half-heartedly stand there, you're like, I don't really like this song, blah, blah, blah. You're not showing God very much worth. But when you abandon yourself, and you say, I'm going to praise you on the toughest day, on the hardest day. I'm going to praise you. I'm going to give you everything I have. God, you, you're worth so much to me. You push through your feelings and you do what is right. That's the kind of weighing we're talking about here. When he said, I weighed you on the scale. Yeah, doc. You're worthless. You're a phony. You're a fake. Your time is limited, number one. You want to really find out something, take some measurements. It's like those people that are like, yeah, I like shopping at the Gap because at the Gap, I wear a size 30. <laughs> I don't like all them European brands. It's like 34, stuff like that. But Gap, yeah, Gap, size 30. <laughs> I, I, I got a challenge for you, homie. Go get a tape measure. And you're going to measure your waist and find out it's about a 39. <laughs> it, 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 it don't matter what the gap says you are. When you figure out what you are, you are what you are. See, and there's a lot of people pretending that they're one thing, but God says you're actually another. And it's his finger that's pointing, saying, your days are numbered and you got no value. So it don't matter how confident you are on your TikTok. It don't matter how confident you are when you've got a bunch of people that are following you at a rally or a protest and you're putting things up in the air and signs and coming up with all these things that sound great and make people feel, feel warm and fuzzy inside. If you're on the wrong side of the kingdom, kingdoms are colliding and you're going to lose. And that's what God is saying. He's saying, be careful that you ain't on the wrong side because you've got limited time. You've got no value. And number three, Perez means, in the, I'm reading the scripture here, it says, your kingdom has been divided up and handed over to the Medes 
and the Persians. Do you know what that means? That means you have absolutely, this broken culture means you have no longevity and you have no legacy. You have nothing. Your time is limited. You're worth nothing and you have no legacy. That's the opposite of everything we want in life. We want a long, productive life. We want to have worth. We want to have value. And we want to leave a legacy. So what's the answer? Live for the right kingdom. Can somebody say amen this morning? Got to live for the right kingdom. Amen? Oh, man, this kingdom... This kingdom, when you stay, and I, I just feel like it's, it's interesting. This is week three, and I feel like some people are starting to hear it now. You're starting to feel it now. You're starting to get it now. The more you talk about it, at first you're like, what is the difference between the kingdom and just the regular thing that we do? It's just a different way of thinking, and you can't make somebody get it. That's why last week we talked about the story of the man walking through the field. Remember that? It says that he stumbles across a treasure. He finds a treasure in the middle of the field. What does he do? He buries it because he doesn't want anyone else to steal it from him. What is that? That's the kingdom of God. It says that he buries it. He goes back and he sells what? I'm going to see if you remember. What does he sell? Come on, church. What does he sell? How much? He sells everything. All of it. He says the old way that I used to do life, just showing up to church because that's what you do, just worshiping because that's what you do, just Z88.3, because that's what that's safe for the little ears. All the little things like that. That's just what you do. That, that's not what we're talking about here. It's saying the old way of life, you trade it all and you throw everything away for this kingdom because it's a treasure. And once you start living a kingdom life, it's not about what people find out about you. It's about what God and only God knows about you. You start living your life from the inside out rather than from the outside in. You start understanding why in the Old Testament, the law set standards that we could not keep so that Jesus could come along and say, you've heard it said, don't commit adultery with a woman. And that's what everyone used to be obsessed with. They're like, don't cheat on your wife. Don't cheat on your wife. Don't cheat on your wife. And they're like, yes, I figured it out. I just go to poker night instead. Like they figure out alternatives. They're like, I got it finally figured out. And Jesus is like, okay, you've heard it said, don't cheat on your wife. Don't even think about it. They're like, dang it. Why? Because religion can figure stuff out. But the king, in the kingdom, it's not about what you do simply on the outside. It's about why you do what you do. He says, I say, don't even think about committing adultery because if you've done it in your heart, then you've done it already. In the kingdom, it starts with the heart. You gotta live your life from the inside out. That's why David was so obsessed with the precepts of God. When it says, seek ye first, the king seeking, that means, God, I want you. Let's, let's, let me give you an example. I'll just give you an example of my life. You know, when I'm by myself in the morning, I don't try to pray these prayers that are like these big public things. I just say, God, I love you today. I thank you so much for what you're doing in my life. Help me to love you today. Help me to know you. I want to know your heart, God. I want to know why it is you want me to do the things I do. I don't want to just do them. I want to know why. So, Holy Spirit, 
let decisions Lord come natural to me let me run things through the filter of your word let your word be a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path illuminate every decision I make in my life Holy Spirit these are the prayers that I pray just simply because my parents raised me in a kingdom house and a kingdom mentality that's a kingdom mentality that God I don't just want to do these things that appear right I want to do them for the right reason then I don't have to worry about all that other stuff how can you get a six million dollar movie funded when you don't know any millionaires live a kingdom life you live a kingdom life and God said I'll give you the kingdom keys I'll give you kingdom keys and when you get a kingdom key what does a key open it opens a door shoot that joker might open a safe Ooh, hallelujah praise the Lord treasure chest you don't know keys open things that are this valuable and when you start living that kingdom life he's gonna give you the keys it's so hard though it's so hard because you got to give up what's in your hand what's in your hand right now is you're so worried you're so worried about what you're gonna wear the promotion all those things you're so worried you just won't let it go and God can't give you the keys to the kingdom if you won't let go of what's in your hand. But trade it all in today. Trade it all in. And when David said, I want to know your precepts. Pre means before. Sept is to seize hold of something. So a precept is you get an idea before it really becomes a concept. It's like, it's like the beginning of an idea. And David says, that's what I want to know about you, God. I don't want to just remember the, the points that the pastor preached. I want to know the way you think. See, when I say, you know, if I say that God has this to say about this subject, that to say about that subject, and I say, you know, that's him, it's not me, get mad at him, get not at me. Sometimes I joke around by saying that, but I don't even like joking about that because Really, if my heart is aligned with heaven, I go, yo, that's what God has to say, and I love what he has to say. Because I love him and I want to know his heart. His way is the right way, even if it's not popular with culture. Even if it makes me uncomfortable. David said, I want to know your precepts. And see, precepts turn into concepts. Con means with. With the idea that you've taken hold of. Now you've made a partnership with the precept. And then the concept, once you get past the concept phase of the kingdom, you go into perception, not preception, but per. And, and per means you've experienced it in your senses. Now you physically experience it. Went from a idea to a concept and now you've experienced it. We wanna get into the perceptive phase of the kingdom where we, we hear God's heart, we know his, his concept, and now we're living it in our life. Somebody say amen in here today. God called you to colonize the earth, to be ambassadors of the kingdom, to spread the kingdom message, to franchise, to franchise the heavenly blueprint. He called you to take a new franchise into an area that's never seen. Can I tell you something? When my, 
By the way, you look so gorgeous today. It's crazy. I was so distracted when you were up here. When my wife was in the Philippines in Bible school in, in 1999 and 2000, I went to visit her. And we were there for like a week. And, you know, we tried to go to some places and it was fun and everything. But I don't, I don't speak Tagalog. I don't know uh, Filipino culture. It's a great culture. It's wonderful. I would love to explore it some more. But I didn't feel completely at home there. And I wanted to go on a date with AIM. So she said, I know exactly where we can do, go. I said, okay, well, surprise me. You know, take me there. So she, we, we went to this place called Makati. It's this really beautiful city center that's right in Manila. Gorgeous, growing, awesome area. And all of a sudden, we walk right around the corner. And we walk into the most beautiful California pizza kitchen that you've ever been in your entire life. CPK, right in the middle of the Philippines. And we walked in, and the, from the moment we walked in, Michael McDonald was playing on the, on the radio. I keep forgetting we're not in love anymore. I'm like, oh, they playing my jam. I'm like, I feel like I'm back at home right now. But we walk in the door, someone's like, hey guys, what's up? Welcome to California Pizza Kitchen. Can I get you a I'm like, what is happening right now? I've been transported. The culture of the company had been recreated in a different place to the degree that when we sat down and started ordering and having the food, it tasted the same, everybody acted the same, they had the same language, everything was identical because somebody took the culture into a place they've never been and they recreated the culture. God wants you to recreate the culture of heaven in your job, in your family, in your street, in your neighborhood, in your business that you're about to start, in your college degree that you're about to go back and get again. God has called you to recreate the culture of heaven in earth. That is what kingdom looks like. God has sent you out and given you an assignment. You say, well, what are you talking about? Go change the music industry. Go change the film industry. Start the dance studio that nobody's ever started before. Start the restaurant that nobody's ever started before. Preach messages that nobody's ever dreamed of preaching. Write the worship songs that are just going to bring the next generation of people to a spirit of revival in this world. Start the YouTube channel that you never dreamed that you could start because you never believed that God could enable you to have the resources. He's given them to you already. It's the kingdom. Nobody else is coming. There ain't no other revelation to be had outside of this one. That the kingdom is, where is the kingdom? Where is the kingdom? It is here today. I don't know if you can feel it, but I can feel it right now. The kingdom is here in this room. It's getting stirred up right now. It's getting stirred up in some hearts right now. Stop backing your way into the throne. The Bible says, let us come boldly before the throne of grace. You start walking into the presence of God with authority, knowing that you have been assigned by him and you come into the king, you say, king, what do you want me to do? I want you to go and do this assignment. And when he has assigned you, don't come back when he has assigned you to conquer a territory and say, it's hard. They don't like the message. Well, what are you here? What are you asking me to do? Come do it yourself. To, to the king, are you kidding me? You don't do that a king that way. 
You better make the king happy. I want to serve my king. I want to know that he's assigned me to do my job and now I'm just trying to figure out ways to do as much as I can do so that he will be pleased. Don't you remember the parable of the talents? What did he do with the talent that the guy buried? Somebody tell me what, what he did. What did the master that went off do? The guy, so, so one guy doubled his, one guy doubled his, and one guy buried his. What did he do with the talent? He took it away and did what with it? He gave it. That's the opposite of socialism. Seriously, socialism, everybody shares everything. This is literally the opposite. God says, you know what you're going to do? You have the least. I gave you the least. You did the least with it. So who am I going to give it to? Am I going to give it to the guy in the middle? No, I'm going to give it to the guy who I gave the most to and who did the most with it. Give me your stuff. Here, bro, this is yours now. That's exactly what I want to do in the kingdom. And what we have to do every day we get out of build is not try to earn God's love. We can't do that. He loves us as much as he ever will. Be faithful with what he has assigned us to so that when we stand before him, we can hear that commendation that will ring and echo through eternity. The greatest sound that any person could ever hear in the history of the universe is the voice of Jesus looking at us and saying, well done, my good and faithful servant. You were not dynamic. He won't say you were dynamic. He won't say you were talented. He won't say you were good looking. He won't say my good and faithful pastor. He won't say my good and faithful business owner. He will say, well done, my good and faithful servants. I'm a servant in the kingdom and I've got royalty flowing through my veins. If that doesn't change the way you look at your life and your world and your family, I don't know what will, but I pray. And then I knew when I walked in this room today that God was going to cause a shift to take place. It's happening in this room. Somebody say kingdom. Come on now, now, now speak kingdom a little louder. Come on now shout kingdom from the bottom of your heart. Come on one more time. Say kingdom. Say I am a part of God's kingdom. Somebody say I am a citizen of God's kingdom. Say, I take my place in the kingdom of God this day. From this day forward, I am a kingdom citizen. Now somebody shout and praise God today like you never shouted before. Kingdom. Come on, look at somebody next to you and just give them a crazy scream right in their eyeball. Scream at them. Say, hey. Woo. Kingdom. I speak the kingdom over your body in Jesus' name, over your sickness in Jesus' name. I speak the kingdom over your business, over your future, over your finance, over your relationship. We'll get the kingdom in it, and you watch what happens in our city. You watch what happens in our world. When? Because I'm telling you it's coming. Don't be shocked when the collision happens. And instead of going, oh, what do we do? We say, oh, this, I've, been, I've been ready for this. I, I'm going to step in to my citizenship today. Amen. Could you bow your heads and close your eyes? By the way, next week, but next week is going to be so good. Next week is Palm Sunday. And in, in case you're going, I thought he was continuing the kingdom, sir. 
Palm Sunday, Jesus rides in Jerusalem on a donkey, declaring himself what? King. Oh, this is going to go real good. And then the following week, we're talking about the surrender. What is the surrender? If you look at our artwork for the piece, it's got a chess piece and one piece is turned over. What piece do you think that is? What piece do you think it is? The king. This is some good stuff. I'm telling you, God, God knows what he's doing. By the time we get done with this, we may be preaching the kingdom in 2027. I mean, I'm not sure. We're just going to keep rocking with this thing because I believe we're going to start seeing some miracles break loose in our church. I believe people's lives are going to start changing. I'm telling you, there ain't nothing like the kingdom. If you're watching online, buckle up over the next few weeks. God is going to move. I want to pray right now for every person in this room that does not know Jesus. There's an anointing in this room for people to come to Jesus, an anointing online if you're watching, for people to get saved today. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you don't know the Lord and you say, I feel the conviction of God in my soul right now. This is not something that is emotional. It's something I know in my heart that I have not been living for the kingdom. The writing is on the wall. The handwriting is on the wall. I know that my time is limited if I do not belong to the kingdom. I know that I don't have much value or worth or weight if I don't belong to the right kingdom. And I know that I don't even have a legacy if I don't belong to the right kingdom. And Jesus said, the only way you can know this kingdom is to be born again. I must be born again. If that's you today, and you're here in this room or watching online, when I count to three, I'm gonna ask you to put your hand in the air. Even if you're watching online, you put your hand in the air. And if you're watching online, I want you to also type in the chat. I'm lifting my hand and write, I need Jesus so our team can know and they can pray for you. If you're in this room, I'm gonna ask you to lift your hand up in the air over your head when I count to three. One. The Bible says now is the time of salvation. Two, I believe every person in this room has been drawn here by the power of the Holy Ghost for this very moment. Three, hands up all over the building. If you're here today and you need Jesus, that is every single section. That is dozens and dozens of people all throughout this room. I believe there are people online that are lifting your hands as well. I want to pray this prayer together out loud. Say this with me. Say, I ask you, Lord Jesus. I ask you, Lord Jesus. Come on, let's speak it out loud. Say, I ask you, Lord Jesus. I ask you. To forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of my sins. I repent. I repent. I am sorry. I am sorry. I'm turning away turning from my away old life from my old and walking toward this brand new life in you. Take away my old heart. Replace it with your heart, God. Help me to seek first your kingdom and your righteousness and to not worry about all the things. You'll take care of those things, Lord. I trust you with my future because I know you've given me a future and a hope in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, somebody give God a great praise this morning. He is good. This concludes the teaching. If you'd like to support what God is doing here at City of Life, click on the Give button at www.col.tv or text a dollar amount to the number 855-997-6900. We hope you'll join us again.